one, one, two. Welcome, party people. This is the Sneaky Emu, a place where we want to discover the wonders of the world and the beauty of God that are ever before us that sometimes we fail to see and occasionally overlook. This is episode 96. 96. We are four away from 100. 100 episodes. It's crazy. Um, so episode number 96 that we are going to call the steward of the story, the steward of the story. So mom, thanks for listening. I want to talk about the Negro leagues. (laughs) Bet you didn't see that one coming. I want to talk about Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I want to talk about you and me, and I want to talk about Jesus, and I want to talk about quantum physics, and I want to talk about the unified field. I think that should... I think that's enough to get us through today. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's going to be in that order. But in my head, I had an idea and I thought, man, maybe we can we can kind of walk through this together. Maybe we can walk through this together and th- this is this to me by the way, forgive my sniffles, please. I do have some sniffles because I've been um cutting trees and burning stuff for several days now. And I think I am suffering from massive amounts of smoke inhalation. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a bit congested and sniffly and it might be allergy related. Anyways, uh, this is one of those things that is like bigger. It's, it's a bigger discussion than, than maybe I'm, I'm even prepared for maybe that I can properly articulate but it is, I'm just so fascinated and I'm just so drawn and I feel like this is such an important idea for us to wrestle and think through. And uh, there may be some good stuff in here that you go, wow, that's incredible. You may agree or disagree with some other stuff, but <clears throat> I feel like th- th- it's something that we need to talk about. So this conversation really starts with, what did I, did I say the title? Steward of the Story? Yeah, episode number 96, The Steward of the Story. Okay, this starts with, I was watching um, the uh, Banana Land docu-series on ESPN+. Plus. We've talked a lot about the Savannah and Bananas lately. I've read the book, I've been following their story, and then they put out a uh, like a five-part docu-series on ESPN+. Plus. It's really good, shows you how they kind of develop the team and kind of behind the scenes stuff and then uh some of the games they play and then at one point they uh i think it was last year they're they finally get to play like a team that's not themselves so they end up getting the go-ahead from a team called the kansas city monarchs who are uh i believe an independent uh baseball team um and it's a lot of like high-end players. It's former major leaguers, guys trying to make it back to the major leagues. Um, they're 
legitimate baseball team that takes baseball serious. And so they agree to play the Savannah, Savannah Bananas in, um, in Banana Ball. Not just baseball, but Banana Ball, where it's, there's different rules and all this kind of stuff, and it's a much faster game than the regular baseball. And, and it's, it's really cool to see <clears throat> the two teams um, playing against each other. Well, why the Bananas are in um, Kansas City, I believe it was Kansas City, Missouri, they go to the uh, Negro League Baseball Museum or something. And they're getting a tour of this place. And the guy that is the host, that's like the one responsible for giving the tour and then sharing stories, he was talking about, um, I think it was called, they were the Indianapolis Clowns. One of the, it was one of the Negro League teams back in the day. And, you know, these were guys that, um, at the time weren't allowed to play in, in the majors. Right. Cause who was it? Jackie Robinson, who was the first one to like become the black, the first black, uh, uh man to play in the MLB. Um, so there's a lot of really great players prior to him that were never given a shot. So they were, you know, kind of limited if they wanted to play baseball to the Negro leagues. Well, the Indianapolis clowns were one of these teams and, because they knew that they weren't ever going to be in the, in the majors, like professionally, they took their stage that was the Negro leagues. And they basically, they, they embodied the fun spirit of baseball, much like the Savannah bananas. So when they're, when the guy's talking about the Indianapolis clowns, he's showing the guys that are doing like the trick pitches and they're like, uh, you know, just being silly as they're walking up to the plate or they're just they're running the bases oddly or whatever. It was, it was really, really interesting because it's like this really, really early precursor to what the bananas are trying to do now, um, that they're kind of outside of the norm of Major League Baseball and they're kind of creating their own show. Um, but what I found interesting about the conversation as this guy was explaining all this is he referred to himself as the tour guide as he said i am as the steward of the story my goal is to make sure that their story lives on i thought that's a really incredible phrase the steward of the story right and so i, I was looking up um just to be a bit certain and and to get a few ideas you know uh, how is a steward defined well as a noun a steward is a person who looks after the passengers on a ship, aircraft, or train and brings them meals, right? The head stewardess on a boat or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> as a noun, a steward is a person responsible for supplies of food to a college, club, or other institution. As a verb, uh, a steward is supervises arrangements or keeps order at some sort of large public event. Or, as a verb... A steward is one who manages or looks after another's property, right? So when he says, I am a steward of the story, I think it's that last one, that he manages or looks after this story that is not his, but he is the one that's taking care of it, that's, that's properly communicating it. That's helping that story to live on. It's not necessarily his, 
but he is taking it as his own and taking ownership and responsibility of it. Now, when you look at the story of creation, and we've talked about this endlessly on this podcast because it's really important, at least I think, what you see in the story of creation is humanity is intended to be the steward of creation. Right, we get that all the things that God instructs the the the, the first humans uh, <clears throat> or the first human prototype, whatever you want to call them, uh, is is about taking responsibility of creation. Right, it's it's God's creation, and they have been entrusted with the responsibility of it. So they, Adam and Eve, are the stewards of creation, and then I believe that has been passed on to us as well. That part of our role is to take care of this thing that we've been given, this gift. That God has given to us that is uh, creation. So, the steward of the story. Um, when I was reading the, well, let's go to let's go to Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Uh, one of the world's greatest. What is he? An astrophysicist? I don't even know what his actual title is. We could probably find that out by the time I finish talking. Neil. Uh, Degrassi, Degrassi, is that how you say it, spell it? He is an American astrophysicist. Yeah, right. He, he's the one that most people recognize when they're talking about the universe and things like wormholes and the time-space continuum and all that. But I'd seen a clip from him uh, the other day on Instagram or something, and he was talking about basically... Um, how what makes us special, what makes humans special, is not our differences, but rather our similarities. So he says that there are four primary ingredients that compose like humanity, that compose the human body. Four four ingredients, four different types of atoms in the body that are like the primary things that make us up. He says there's hydrogen, there's oxygen there's carbon, and there's nitrogen. Then he says, the top four ingredients of the universe are hydrogen and oxygen and carbon and nitrogen. So he says, when you understand that, uh, that you are not special, <laughs> when, when you understand that you are not special, because uh, you don't have any, you, you don't contain any special ingredients, right? There's, there's literally from an ingredient perspective, nothing that separates you and me or you and, uh, your neighbor or you and your parents, your kids, your coworkers, there's nothing there. there there's no special ingredients. So you in and of yourself are not special because there's no special ingredients. But the same thing that allows you to see that you are not special when it comes to the ingredients uh, actually includes the idea that while we live in the universe, the same ingredients that composes the universe, that same thing the of the universe lives within us. So he says, we're where you're not special because you're different. He says you're special because you're the same. Ooh, which is, is really, like, I, I really like that. You, 
we think we we seem to live with this idea and understanding that I have to prove myself. I have to be different. I have to dress different. I have to think different. I have to talk different. I have to be somewhat different in order to make a name for myself. I have to do things differently. And that's how I get some recognition. And that's what makes me special is I think outside the box or I function and live and whatever. Uh, and he says, yeah, but when you realize that there's no uh, ingredient that makes you different, that's the thing that actually makes you special. Because the universe and you and me were all made of the same stuff. And it's that sense of unity, it's that sense of oneness that actually makes you special, which is kind of fascinating. It's kind of fascinating to me, which then really kind of takes me to this idea of like uh, that, that book I was telling you about, the uh, Jesus Christ quantum physicist, whatever. Um, I think one of the things that I, I don't think I talked about it. But one of the things that I picked up that has kind of resonated with me from that book was this idea of uh, what scientists call the unified field. And the unified field, let's see, I, I didn't look that up either. Unified field. I'm, I'm sure there's a unified field theory. Okay, here's the unified, unified field theory uh, ex explained in a nutshell, I guess, if you will. Uh, the unified field theory is sometimes called the theory of everything, T-O-E for short, short. so toe, <laughs> the toe, uh, the long sought meaning, uh, the long sought, the long sought means of tying together all known phenomena to explain the nature and behavior of all matter and energy in existence. Uh, let's see if we can get a... Here's here's the uh, hyper certain <laughs> definition of unified theory according to the all knowing Wikipedia. Uh, in physics, the unified field theory is a type of field theory that allows all that is usually thought of as fundamental forces and elementary elementary particles to be written in terms of a pair of physical and virtual fields. According to modern discoveries in physics. Forces are not transmitted directly between interacting objects, but instead are described and interrupted by intermediary, intermediary entities called fields. Um, classically, however, a duality of the fields is combined into a single physical field. For over a century, unified field theory has remained an open line of research, and the term was coined by Albert Einstein, who attempted to unify his general theory of relativity with electromagnetism. The theory of everything and grand unified theory are closely related to the unified field theory but differ by not requiring the basis of nature to be fields and often by attempting to explain physical con uh, constants of nature. Early attempts based on this classic classical physics are described in the article blah 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 blah. Um, so basically the idea is everything's connected. The, the idea is that there is this one universal field of energy that sits underneath everything that everything is connected to and is birthed out of and uh, dissolves back into. And it's just, it's this one giant thing that is all things, that there can be nothing else, that there is, that, that everything is a part of this unified field of energy. So in the book, 
he, he kind of talks about this idea and how uh, with this idea of the unified field theory, there is this singularity to all things. And of course, you know, he's talking about uh, from a Christian kind of theological perspective, he's saying in the book that this is, of course, what God is, who God is. God is this uh, unified field. God is the energy that sits underneath everything. God is is that which nothing can be uh, separated out of. It's all this. It all sits in the same soup, if you will. But one thing that's really fascinating to me <clears throat> is that when we are all one and when we are all connected, if uh, and because we are all one and all connected, uh, if there wasn't some sort of spatial separation amongst uh, this unified field, amongst this general energy that is God, if there wasn't uh, some sort of individuality amongst the unity, uh, then we wouldn't be able to recognize the singularity. <laughs> Are you still with me? So it's the spatial separation and and the individuality of various things out of the unified field of singularity and oneness that we have to have in order to recognize and experience um, and and recognize that I say recognize uh, to experience the singularity. So in order to understand that. A, that I am a part of everything else and everything else is a part of me. In order to understand that I am the universe and the universe is me, I have to be able to separate and differentiate myself from the universe in order to understand that I am, in fact, part of the universe. <laughs> does, that, does that make sense? Does, does that make sense? That if if I was unaware, if I if if we are simply a part of the singularity, if we are part of the unified field, if we were a part of this uh, single source of energy that is the divine, that is God, but we did not carry any individual characteristics, traits, or identities, we would not be able to understand that we are a part of the singularity. So the only way that we can identify the unified field, the singularity. Is through our own individual, and through the is through the expression of the universe through our own individuality. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. <laughs> so, because you become you, and because I become I, because I become me, and because they become them, it's only in that separation that we are able to rec in, and in that individual individuality that we are able to come to a place of understanding that we are in fact not separate but the same. <laughs> this is the world we live in this is a universe we live in that these things are possible how are we not dumbfounded and mesmerized and continually uh in a place of jaw dropping awe at the world that we live in yeah so there's a singularity but there's this individuality and we need the individuality to understand the singularity Right. Uh, this also actually kind of kind of goes back into this idea that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about dying to the self. Right? Isn't this the same thought and idea that I need the self? The self is good because the self helps me to individuate. It, it allows me to be my own thing. It allows me to uh, 
to to uh, to to separate from the singularity, but then the whole point of the scripture, uh, a lot of what Jesus talks about is dying to the self, and by dying to the self, it helps me to actually come back to the singularity. So the concept and idea of dying to the self is actually kind of perfectly in line with the idea with these ideas of the unified field and understanding. Uh, that everything has this one source and we are all connected to it and you are the universe in ecstatic motion. I think, who is that, Eckhart Tolle that says that? And the universe is in you and you are special because you are actually the same. You are not special because you are different. It's the differences that allow you to understand the sameness which allows you to understand the specialness. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh man, this is like mind, this is like mind melting kind of stuff. This is like the kind of stuff that's a bit difficult to wrap wrap your mind around. And even when you do, it's kind of like, okay, so what do you do with it? Okay. So now let's look at, let's look at, hold on. Oh, excuse me. Um, Let's look at a couple uh, passages from the Bible. Most of them are from John, but a couple that are really interesting that kind of support uh, this idea of the unified field and the singularity, especially if you're looking at it from the lens of like the divine and God and who is God and what is God and what is God like. And, um, and often, and we've also talked about how often when we talk about God, we, we talk about God as if God were an object in the world, right? But God is not an object in the world. God is that which allows us to understand all other objects in the world, like light, you know, we've talked about this, that light is not, um, that we can't see the light, but it's the light that allows us to see. This is all kind of falling into the same conversation. So in John 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So if God is this universal field of energy, then Jesus is the uh, what is it? The incarnation of that universal field of energy that Jesus is separate is, is the individual that has come out of the singularity in order to point us to the singularity that we're all a part of. Okay. Now in John chapter, let's say 14, John chapter 14, um, let's see, Jesus is, is talking and he's uh, talking about, he promises to send the Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 20. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Okay. So Jesus in John 10 says, I and the Father are one. So Jesus equates himself with the singularity that is the energy that is God, that is the divine, that is everything that currently exist. So he is the incarnation of that energy. He becomes the individuation of that singularity. But then he takes it the next next step and he says, don't you realize that I am in the Father? Okay, we've made that connection. And then he says, and you are in me and I am in you. So the singularity of God that is individuated in Christ, in Jesus, is also in you and you are in him, uh, which also sounds a bit like what Neil deGrasse Tyson said, that 
the four ingredients in the human body <laughs> are the same four ingredients that's in the universe. And so the universe is you and you are the universe. And it's the sameness that actually is what makes us special. Doesn't this sound a bit like the same thing? It's like this astrophysicist in the 21st century is actually speaking the same language as the disciples, as Jesus, who is trying to get us to understand the origin from which he has come, the singularity from which he has come. Okay, uh, and then in John 17, John 17, Jesus is praying for all believers. Uh, John 17, 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. <laughs> Right? Do you see this? Like how crazy this whole thing is. Like this whole thing, it's it's all runs parallel, and it's all like the same. It's all the same idea, just with parallel ways of describing what it is. That that God is not the object that is in the world. That we can't describe what God is. That God is not like this cup that's sitting next to me where I can tell you how tall or how wide or how much liquid it can hold or what color it is. Like the divine is beyond our understanding. The divine, uh, what, uh, what's it say in, uh, where it says there's one God who is overall through all and in all, right? Like there is nowhere that God isn't. God is a part of all things. So God is this in theory, right? This unified field of energy, Again, that then is individuated through Christ, that is Christ is the universe incarnate, and then <clears throat> and then Christ is in us, and we are in Christ, so the universe is in us, and we are in the universe, and then the the push of Christ for all believers is that they may come together the way that the Father and the Son have come together, that we collectively may be one. So again, it's this same idea that there is this larger singularity and then uh, we need our individuality to be able to understand and see and recognize the singularity. So we have we have separated ourselves to be these individuals, but yet the way that we understand that we are actually connected is through our individuality. And the goal is actually for us to come back to the singularity that we have actually come from. Yeah. Okay. One more. One, one more. Are we having fun yet? Are we, having, are we confused yet? Are we nervous yet? Are we scared yet? I don't know. Okay. One more. Colossians 1, 15 through like 17. The sun is the invisible image, uh, is the image of the invisible God. Okay. Uh, the sun is the individuation of the singularity. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have be created, been created through him and for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Oh, that's pretty interesting. So Jesus is the incarnation, is the individuality of the singularity of the unified field that is God. And in him, the one that is the representative of the unified field in the singularity, all things hold together. Oh, well, of course. Because that's what we've discovered how the universe actually works. There is nothing that exists beyond this this unified field. There's nothing that exists beyond the singularity. That that is all that there is, and all that there is is everything that is possible, that is currently, that is yet to be, that everything <clears throat> this source is that which allows for infinite possibilities. And it's all it's it's all held together again in the same soup, the same stew, right? Like we're I don't know why I keep coming back to that image, that picture, the stew. There's all this different ingredients, but it's one stew. But we're all the same, but we're all different. But we need the the differences to understand our similarities. And is it maybe we should have called this episode the Great Stew? <laughs> okay, so now. Kind of a couple, kind of a, I don't know, a, a couple minor thoughts about this. If we are the universe and the universe is in us, or we are the universe in ecstatic motion, if God is this singularity, the great singularity, God is the energy of all that exists, God is the unified field, God is uh, also uh, individuated in the form of Jesus the Christ, God is uh, stepped, uh, incarnated this unified field into the body of a human that is also the same ingredients that is the universe that is God. And <laughs> how this is like inception. You just keep going layer into layer into layer. Um, so what what does that what does that mean for us and how we live? Well, I kind of think it means. Uh, that if I don't understand this, I, I think understanding this or not understanding this has the ability to affect how we live and how we participate in this life, right? Yeah, I get it. It's fun to talk about in theory, but how does this, does this have any practical real world, uh, connections, uh, um, uh, applications, that's the word I'm looking for. I think, yeah. I think um, if we don't understand something like this, uh, if if I am the universe and the universe is me and I am this, uh, what's the word? I am this particular expression of the universe in this particular fashion. I am the universe expressing itself as Seth. Um if I understand this, then I will want to treat my physical self the same way that I will treat like the rest of creation and the universe. If I don't understand this connection, if I don't understand um, the oneness, the singularity, the unif unified field, then it allows me to live in such a way 
that I, uh, let's go back to this, to the title, obviously, the stewards of the story. If you are a steward of the story and the story is the universe and you are the steward of that universe that is the self, then how you live uh, speaks to this, the, the entirety of this story. And it's not necessarily your story alone, because remember, what was the definition of the steward? The steward uh, manages or looks after another's property. So I have been gifted, I have been granted this expression of this of the universe that is not mine. It, it is the property of another. This is the the this uh, whole thing that is God that belongs to God that is that God has birthed everything out of. I am the steward of this expression of the universe, right? So uh, I want to make sure that the way that I live aligns with the much larger story. It's not necessarily my story, but how I live it allows for others to hopefully hear and understand and connect with the larger story of the universe. The same way that the guy was explaining about the Indianapolis clowns and in, in the Negro Leagues. He was the one who was participating with that and sharing that with others so that then they could hear and participate in that story as well. So if I, when it comes to my physical being, if I don't understand this connection, um, what I've noticed is people who don't understand their connection to creation and the larger picture of the universe and the larger uh, connection that we have to each other becomes very easy to treat my physical self and others' physical self with a lack of respect. If I treat my body, uh, if I eat Twinkies all the time and I drink soda all the time and I just am putting garbage into my physical body, what makes me think um, that I will have any care or concern for the rest of creation. If I'm not willing to take care of the universe within, why would I be willing to take care of the universe without, outside of the self, right? Uh, you see the same thing. What You've heard the phrase like as above, so below, from as within, so without, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's all connected. It's all connected and how we live is all connected. And, and if I refuse to see uh, the oneness in you, or you refuse to see the oneness in me, if I refuse to see that we are special because we are the same, because we are all the universe in ecstatic motion, because we are all the universe expressing itself in its various forms, and that's the thing that we need in order to understand that we all are in fact connected, then I have not been a good steward of the story, have I? Because the story of the universe that I've been entrusted with is that we all come from the same source. We all come from the divine. Everything that is is a part of this singularity that is God, that is this unified field. And so how I live my life speaks to whether or not I'm going to be a good steward of that story. Maybe that's why Jesus says things like, love your neighbor as yourself, because they are in fact you and you are in fact them. And so as I do that, as I carry that thing out, this thing that we may have heard growing up our whole lives, if you've been in church, especially love your neighbor as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. 
maybe that's beyond just like a good Christian-y thing to do. Maybe that's the, the exact picture of what it means to be a steward of the story, that there is this deeper connection with each other because we are all the universe being expressed in different forms. And as I learn to see that, and as I learn to love that and understand our, uni our unity and our singularity, it allows me to actually experience God in a deeper way. The more I'm able to see, um, the more I'm able to move beyond the differences and understand that those differences are actually pointing to a greater unity, the, the, the more I connect to the story that I have been given that I have become the steward of. So love your neighbor as yourself. It's not just something nice to do. It's that that's like how you steward the story of the universe that it's all connected, that it's all one. Oh, I don't, there's like so much there. Hopefully I, I did some justice to that. I'm not quite sure. I felt like that was pretty good. I felt like that was pretty good. And I, and I like still kind of wrapping my brain around that. Hopefully you can try to wrap your brain around that too. It's really fascinating. It's really, I mean, that's big. That's like a, it's like almost too much kind of, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think we covered all the bases too. The Negro Leagues, Neil deGrasse Tyson, some Jesus stuff, um, the stewarding of the story. I think, I think we got the, the Jesus Christ and the quantum physics. I think, I think we covered it. I think we covered it all. So maybe, maybe our goal then is to just simply work on being better stewards. Uh, which then would mean actually for us to start to recognize the oneness in each other would uh, maybe mean that how we live and how we treat things like the environment uh, is essentially how we treat the environment is how we're treating ourselves because uh, we are all one, which actually then might be uh, a representation of how we think of and treat the divine. Yeah, the God that is underneath and is holding all things together. That is the unified field. That is the singularity. That is the one source of all things. How I live this life and interact and how much I'm able to connect with the oneness of all things might actually be a representative of how well I know and understand and love God. Yeah. Okay. So let's call that a day. I think that's more than enough for us to <laughs> wrestle with for about 10 more years. All right, guys, this has been the Sneaky Emu episode number 96, Stewards of the Story. Stewards of the Story. Uh, Mom, thanks for listening. I'm sending you guys all the love in your general direction. God bless, and we'll talk to you later. We're here to unlearn teachings of the church and state. We're here to drink beer, we're here to kill war.